I'm Ashley Hamilton, and this is Celebrity Memoir Book Club with special guest host, Lily Michelle. Hello. Welcome to Celebrity Memoir Book Club, the podcast where we read a celebrity memoir so that no one else has to. This week, we are reading Becoming Molly May by none other than Love Island's Molly May Haig. And so I brought in the foremost Molly May scholar that I know to cover this book with us. This week, I would like to thank BASE for supporting our show. BASE lets you pick up your stuff and hit the road with high-quality, well-designed travel bags and accessories that won't break the bank. Right now, BASE is offering you 15% off your first purchase by visiting basetravel.com slash worm. And thank you to Dipsy for supporting Celebrity Memoir Book Club. Dipsy is an audio app full of short, sexy stories. If you're looking to light a spark or heat things up, there's a story waiting for you. For listeners of the show, Dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash worm. And thank you to the fun and challenging June's Journey game. Who doesn't love a good mystery? In the hidden object murder mystery game June's Journey, you'll awaken your inner sleuth and step right into a thrilling adventure set in the heart of the roaring 20s. Find your inner detective and download June's Journey today, available on Android and iOS mobile devices as well as on PC through Facebook games. Don't forget that tonight, December 6th, we will be going live with Moment. We're doing a live digital show. The proceeds will be matched and donated to the Brooklyn Book Bodega. You can find tickets in our show notes, in our link in bio. You can also live stream it for seven days after the event, and those proceeds will be matched and donated as well. So we hope to see you tonight. Tune in. It'll be a pretty rockin' good time, 8 p.m. Eastern time and a different time in other time zones. And Lily, if you were to write a memoir about your life, what would you title last week's chapter? I would probably call it like overstuffed just because I've gone through so much that I'm like, I'm good. I don't need anything <laughs> else. I've had enough life experience. Actually, I'd like to coast for the rest of it. <laughs> I can't believe how much Thanksgiving is a holiday where you're like one per year is fine. Thank you. Yeah. Like every other thing, Christmas, I'm like, we could do four of these per year. And I don't even celebrate Christmas, but I love the vibe of it. Birthdays, I'm like, sprinkle a couple of extra of those in there. Yeah, Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving you get so grossed out by Thanksgiving food by the the end of it that you're like I, I need a year I yeah. can't have stuffing again I need a year now my mom always makes like Persian food on Thanksgiving to like yeah. mix it in with the American stuff and like we all just eat the Persian food <laughs> and then the turkey just sits in the fridge until she's like okay I'm gonna throw this like out the ceremonial turkey yeah I don't know why we get it every year ceremony <laughs> yeah nobody eats it <laughs> okay if I were to describe my last week's chapter I would describe it as all for bug and bug for all because I just signed a new lease I am moving apartments I wanted to anyway I was really excited to move and get a new apartment and 100% of my apartment criteria I realized was centered around bug there were a couple other things that I wanted for me and then when I was looking at apartments and you know you had to like New York real estate you have to say like all right which is the two most important things everything else has to go it was all bug stuff bug stuff one because you're a mom now we're moving into bugs new apartment I mean she's turned her world upside down so this week we are going to be diving in to the villa a hot new memoirist just entered the villa this book is the least bombshell that a book has ever been the least amount of bombshells a book has ever had there is not one hot reveal there is not one saucy moment i would say this book reads as like the outline of a book that you would then go in and inject personal experience into 
This honestly, to me, felt like a 17-year-old's diary that I was like, oh, she hasn't gone to college yet. She doesn't know But like a 17-year-old's fake diary that they're writing. So their mom to read. (laughs) They're like, I'm actually doing great. (laughs) I'm a virgin and I don't drink alcohol ever. That's this whole book. Just talking about how boring she is. (laughs) What did you know about Molly May before you cracked open this nothing? Okay, so the thing is, is that I loved Molly May. When she was on Love Island, and I've watched every season multiple times because I'm crazy. (laughs) And I like to binge watch, and that's just... Love Island is my life. So when Molly May was on it, I liked her on the show. I didn't have that weird thing where I was like, she's fake or whatever. I thought she was great. I liked Tommy. I wanted them to win, you know? Yeah. I know people hated Molly May, and I didn't have that same feeling about her, but I also didn't like her. Yeah. I mean, I it's pretty obvious that she's dumb. Yes. It's pretty obvious. Like, on Love Island, like, just the way that she is... And, you know, no shame to dumb people. I wish I was dumb, but it's not like I want to, like, hang out with her. I mean, there is just a look in her face. There is just nothing. (laughs) Nothing behind those eyes. You look at the cover of this book and you're like, wow, not a thought. Not a thought has passed between those ears. Her noggin is just like a gorgeous balloon. So I started watching her like YouTube videos. I could not believe that you watched her YouTube videos. <laughs> no. Well, the thing is, is that when I was in high school, that's when like YouTubers started to be famous. So I used to watch like Zoella a lot. Okay. Oh my God. I remember. And I love Zoella. And so I would put Zoella on and just like do my thing and just hear her British banter in the back. And I liked it. So I, that's why I was like comfortable with Molly because of that British sort of like. Wait, you watched Molly May's YouTube videos before Love Island? No, no, no. Oh, after, okay, okay. after. So I would put them on and like she would just kind of show off all of these expensive clothes, which I love to watch. Yes. And then she would talk about just her day to day life, which was so bland. I remember there was this one video where she was like getting like cat called in the street where it wasn't even compared to New York. It was like the nicest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> Someone was like, oh, there's Molly May," And she was like, oh, my God, I can't believe that they're doing this. To me. And I was like, oh, I would love that. I would love if not being followed home every, every month. <laughs> so this book is, I would say, one third inside the mind of Molly May. One third what she thinks she can offer in terms of advice. And then there's like a bunch of about influencing I guess it's half inside the mind of Molly May and half like what she thinks she can offer you as advice the way she writes about influencing I'm just like oh this is not something anyone should ever do like this is not a lifestyle that anyone should have because she makes it sound so mind-numbingly dull she's like you wake up in the morning and you've got to scout a background to take a picture in front of (laughs) like to her all of Instagram is about finding proper backgrounds. She's like, some people can take a picture in front of a white wall, not me. I've got to find new backgrounds every day. Well, she also, I feel like the first half of the book was her trying to convince us that she's a normal, real girl. Yes. And then she would go into like details of like how she doesn't want to be like anybody else and then becomes an influencer, which is just being like everybody else. And it was very like, oh, you have no idea what being original is. Okay, so I am obsessed with like the rise and fall of influencers individually. It's so interesting the way like everyone will, discover one and be like we're obsessed with this girl she's so cool and then like all of a sudden it hits a critical mass in a day everyone will be like fuck this bitch she has no idea what she's talking about and I think a lot of these people especially like the ones who have this like dramatic rise and fall not the people who have like a steady niche but the people who like blow up and then crumble are all people who are just doing regular things 
with confidence that they're the only person who's ever done them. Yeah. It's so bizarre to watch. And Molly Mae has that so hard where she's like, anyway, I would make my hair wavy and make a video about it. And people had never seen anyone do a hair tutorial like that before. And I'm like, what are you talking about? How could that be true? (laughs) Yeah. She also was like, and I was the only one taking pictures in the streets and nobody was doing that. It's like, oh, taking pictures in the streets. No one did that before. Like, what are you talking about? (laughs) Since cameras have been a thing, people have been taking photos in the streets because that's what we do as humans. But it's also so interesting. Like at the beginning of the book, (laughs) she was like, my family. Family is not like other families. We wouldn't holiday to the beach. We would holiday to like she calls them walking vacations. Yeah, walking holidays. Yeah, to like a rainy place because we just like to walk in the rain. And it's like, okay. I mean, I don't understand how this makes you different at all. So in the introduction of this book, she kind of explains how she views herself and what she's wanted in life, which is simply to be interesting. She wants to be someone that people look at and say, wow, Molly May's doing that thing that's really interesting. And like yeah. that is her motivation. She wants to be looked at and, and thought of as interesting, which explains a lot. She wants people to see her and be like, what's Molly May doing over there? It's not about her being fulfilled by her own life. It's about her being fulfilled by other people being fulfilled by her own life. Okay. So the other thing about this book is that she knows that she gets in hot water for things she says getting misinterpreted. Yeah. So she'll backtrack everything she says. So like the nothing that she throws out there, she'll also walk back immediately. She's like, I wanted to not have an ordinary life. Now, don't get me wrong. I know that there's nothing wrong with an ordinary life. I know a lot of people would love a life that could be called that. And in many ways, the everyday parts of life, the times when I'm home are ordinary and those are what make me happiest. But I also wanted to be extraordinary. And it's just like, okay, I don't know. Say something. Uh, She doesn't have any hard stances in this book, which is like, please just have one opinion. Either she's had opinions and people were like, well, you can't have opinions because no one wants your opinions. Yeah. But it really just feels like she just doesn't know what to do. Yeah, which is why she should not have written a book because this is very standard 23-year-old thought processes. So she was 23 when she wrote this. She writes in the end of the intro, at 23, I'm definitely a work in progress and I want to share with you all I've gone through in my life up to this point. Like, of course, you're a work in progress. You should not be done at 20. Imagine being like, at 23 years old, I've learned all I have to learn and I'm ready. <laughs> I'm good. It's like, no, you're not. Like, what are you talking? Like, I know 45 year olds that are like, wow, life keeps changing. <laughs> like at 23, you're saying that you're a work in progress. Uh, you better be. Your brain's not even done. <laughs> yeah, your brain's not fully developed yet. <laughs> So the desire to be different shaped all of her choices. Essentially, she goes, I've always been drawn to doing the unexpected thing, whether that was entering pageants, going to fashion school, and even having my lips done at a young age. What does she think people expect? I think when you're this dumb and it's just hard for you to like see someone else's perspective because you're like, well, everyone has to be this dumb. Yeah, I guess like maybe she chose a different path than the two other people she went to primary school with. And so she's like, what would people not expect from me? I guess pageants. But what would I expect from a pageant girl? Probably to go to fashion school and then get their lips done. Yeah, I mean, her parents are like police officers and she talks about that a lot. And I think that's why she's like, well, I didn't follow that path. I'm not a police officer. It's like, okay. Yeah, I didn't. I don't do the same thing as my parents either. <laughs> yeah, it's so rare for you to do the same thing as your parents. So she opens up talking about her childhood, and she has like little personal statements from her whole family. She's born in 1999, which Jesus fucking Christ! I can't believe she's a 90s baby. That's shocking. I guess it's shocking, but also that sounds so young to me. I'm like 1999. Wasn't that like a month and a half ago? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
the things that her family says are pretty interesting. Like Molly's mom, Deborah, as a child, Molly was strong-willed, adorable, beautiful, entertaining, funny, and loved putting on little shows. She loved the stage, but was never picked for the main roles, only ever the chorus. Just kind of proving that she's not the exception to the rule. So she writes a lot about how she was very interested in getting on stage from a young age and she wanted to be famous and she would go to all these auditions and then she never got anything. <laughs> so if you have listened to the Christine Quinn episode, to me, she reminds me so much of like a soft Christine Quinn, which is just like two blonde pretty girls from normal towns wanting to be famous at all costs and then like finding it through reality tv but thinking that they have a level of success that others could never have they're like do you know what i did i never got anything until finally one day after years and years of knocking on doors someone finally said okay come on this reality tv show and now i'm a star and you're like okay yeah, but it, I feel like they also don't understand the difference between a movie star and a reality TV star. They, they don't. They think it's the same thing. And it's yes. like so different. This is the thing that I've been thinking about a lot lately. The way that I feel famous people think that by virtue of being famous, they have more life knowledge to bestow. Yeah. And it's like you are lucky in some ways, unlucky in other ways. Like not everyone wants to be famous. But also famous people, you have everyone being nice to you all the time. You actually don't know what it's like to like have interpersonal <laughs> relationships because everyone wants something from you. So her mom writes this personal statement about, I don't know, how Molly is nice and cute. And then she was a talented uh, cellist. But not talented enough. <laughs> not talented enough. Then she writes about her sister, Zoe. Zoe is in the army. So, and then there's a statement from her dad. Okay, so another thing that her parents are obsessed with is the fact that Molly was born with a birthmark on her forehead. <laughs> yeah. And it seems like Molly herself doesn't care, but her parents cannot stop bringing up the fact that she was so different and everyone would stare at her. Her dad in his statement writes, I genuinely think that this birthmark defines some of her resilience to the media that she has now. And it's like, who was bullying a child with a birthmark? Yeah. Why would she have like developed a thick skin? Like she seems very unaware of it compared to her peers. It seems like the parents that are like, what are we going to do The parents were bullying this? her about it. I really think they were. <laughs> yeah. But it's also like, maybe that's why she feels like she stands out all the time is because you kept telling her that this birthmark made her stand out so much. She, it was on the top of her forehead and she had bangs. And it was a strawberry, like it was like a little red. I mean, this is the number one identifying factor of her childhood, I think. Yeah, because she didn't go through anything hard. <laughs> So they were like, this little birthmark that we ended up getting removed was the hardest thing Molly ever had to go through. Then we get a note from her Aunt Jackie. I, Aunt Jackie was a big part of Molly's life. Aunt Jackie was the cool one who showed Molly Mae that you don't have to be a cop. You could be glamorous. And you can be into designer things. Yeah. Because her parents were so down to earth and they d would go on these walking trips. Right. And Aunt Jackie was like, you could actually take a plane to Ibiza and party <laughs> and have Balenciaga on your face. And that's fun. That is fun. <laughs> yeah. The weirdly passive-aggressive things her family says about her, she was fun-loving, caring, but very focused. I think she struggled to find her real passion in her early to mid-teens, but then when she did find it, she absolutely blossomed and really found out what she wanted to do with her life. I say this all the time, but why would someone in their early to mid-teens 
be expected to know what their passion in life is. Yeah, that never made sense to me. It also feels like every single one of her family members had a gun held to their head to write these. And it was like oh a job God, interview where, where they're like, what are your weaknesses? And then you're like, oh, that I'm always on time and I'm a hard worker, you know? The good things about Molly, that she's beautiful and focused and hardworking. The bad <laughs> things is that she loves us too much. <laughs> yeah. No, literally she goes, uh, the best things about Molly, her vision, her drive, her artistic nature, and how hard <laughs> she worked to achieve her goals. The worst thing, that's really tricky i would say probably one of her weaknesses which hopefully she'd agree with is the fact that she doesn't like conflict or having disagreements with people that will come with experience and knowing how to handle things nobody likes conflict no one's like oh i got into three fights today i'm killing it <laughs> oh my God. i kind of like conflict no i don't <laughs> no you don't <laughs> i get so scared of conflict so then zoe writes a little statement and this one feels like the personal statement from hell like it's truly one of the least personal things i've ever read in my life by yeah. her sister who's supposedly one of her best friends zoe her is best friend not in- one of them she's like zoe is my everything oh, yeah, i think zoe's <laughs> her only friend yeah. she says that molly's strengths are that she's always there for her but her weakness is that sometimes she struggles to get a hold of her at the beginning of this book, Molly's like, my family means more than anything to me. At the end of this book, she's like, I rarely see my family. <laughs> she's like, they live a little bit down the road from me. And so when are we going to see each other? Yeah. But also every single one of her family members talks about how Molly likes the finer things in life. And they like really phrase it in a in like a passive aggressive way where they're like, she does like the finer things in life, which kind of sucks. And we hate all of that. But <laughs> <laughs> But that's her. So throughout this book, several times, as we know, just, in, I mean, in case you guys don't know, Molly May is currently pregnant with her boyfriend, Tommy Fury, the boxer. Yeah. Do they box or is he like a wrestler? Uh, they're the same thing to me. Okay. And so he gets in a ring. Yeah. And he punches. They hug each other. And they kiss. <laughs> <laughs> in her sister's statement, she goes, Molly has a very exciting future ahead of her. And I can tell that this is only the start. She and Fran, who's Molly's manager, working together, have great ideas planned. I know Molly's excited to have a family with Tommy one day, although I always tell her not to rush. Several times in this book, Molly's like, I think I want to have a baby with Tommy soon. And as yeah. we know, she got pregnant like right after this book came out. Yeah, they got pregnant so early and they're just like so young. I guess I'm like, why at 23 was like, when should we have a baby? The numero uno conversation on everyone's mind. And from my cynical mind, it feels content driven. Uh, yeah, that's actually a really good point. Because she was like, I ran out of background, so I needed to add a baby to the photos. <laughs> yeah, so a huge thing for Molly May is the fact that she's so obsessed with having unique backgrounds for all of her photos i was doing some research before this episode and i went to the instagram that they have for the house that she and tommy are remodeling yeah it is beige so one of her youtube videos when they moved into that place that eventually got robbed we'll talk about that later (laughs) so she has this video she goes this is me and tommy's dream apartment and it was all beige everything about it was beige all the furniture they got was beige It was so lame. And I was like, this is like a big apartment. You could have done so many cool designs. It looks so dated to like a 2019 Kardashian aesthetic. Yeah, it really does. She's very heavily influenced by the Kardashians, (laughs) but like not the current season, like like 10 seasons ago, you know, when they first started. (laughs) She talks about her troubles in high school. One of her big issues was that she really wanted acrylic nails and her parents wouldn't let her get them. That was really hard on her. She would cry and cry and cry and that is really hard so eventually she decided to get a job so that she could buy clothes in town which they were like that's molly may doing things for herself and you're like okay that feels normal 
now 23 year old Molly me looks back about the time when she was trying to find herself <laughs> now as a fully formed person she's looking back on the person who was just trying to figure out who they are in school she was like a decent student but she says I just remember my parents wanting me to be academic and work really hard in school and get an amazing job that is unique she okay this is unique about her actually she says she never remembers being shy at all that is interesting to me I'm always fascinated by people who like have no shame I feel like in stand-up comedy it's like we see people who have no shame and it's like oh those are the worst comedians that we know yeah the people that have no shame are the worst at it you know because you need shame to like fine-tune your talent and fine-tune who you are you have to be able to reflect and if you're not like ever second guessing a single thing you do so I think about this with influencing a lot because I'm like in order to like tell your friend Hey, when we get coffee today, can you get 300 photos of me with my coffee cup? (laughs) I need to show people I'm different. (laughs) You, like, cannot have shame in order to do that. Yeah. And it was working for her. Like, pre-Love Island, she was building a following on Instagram in high school. This is a white upper middle class blonde girl who is very cute from a young age like it's not going to be hard for you that's true that's true you're like what to be shy from what like posting your photos on instagram like they were cute photos i guess yeah that audience this is gen z like they were all on their phones there were boys that were like oh she's cute let me follow her like there were girls that are like oh i want to be like her like she always says that she really wanted to perform which is very funny to me because it's like, well, only someone who has too much confidence at 12 years old wants to perform. <laughs> I, I was so scared of public speaking, and now I do that for a living. Oh, my God, you know? same. I would shy away. If a group project, and they were like, Lily, it's your time to speak, I'd be like, no, nah, I'm good. Thank I you. would shake. <laughs> yeah, me too. Yeah, she said uh, for a while I really wanted to perform acting, singing, dancing. I wanted to do everything. It's like, no, she, you, you wanted to be famous. You just wanted to be front <laughs> yeah. center. You wanted to be the center of attention. It can be hard to fit everything in, especially when it comes to luggage. But with bass, there is room for everything even if you're an overpacker which honestly I am so guilty of we are obsessed with our base luggage and have an offer for you go to basetravel.com slash worm for 15% off your first purchase I have the base weekender which is this gorgeous and when I say gorgeous I mean I am shocked by its beauty it's this gorgeous bag over the shoulder has a big strap if you want to kind of dangle it on a one shoulder I like can't stop shouting from the rooftops how incredible this bag is there's a pocket for everything including shoes I hate when my shoes touch my other clothes when they're in a bag or I mean you can use that pocket for other things too heat tools whatever you want but for me having a shoe pocket is the end all be all of perfection you know how you know when you stop to check yourself out in a mirror when you're walking by and airports have a couple full-length mirrors just scattered about I like stop and check out my bag Base was created by the actress Shay Mitchell to make sleek, affordable bags, luggage, and accessories designed to help you travel effortlessly while still looking fashionable. They've thought of everything you could ever want in a piece of luggage, 360-degree gliding wheels, a cushioned handle, a built-in weight indicator, washable bags for your dirty clothes, and all of the interior pockets you need to keep you organized. Every piece is made to look better with miles, so you don't have to worry about it in cargo or overhead. Right now, Base is offering our listeners 15% off your first purchase by visiting basetravel.com slash worm. That's B-E-I-S travel.com slash worm. So then she talks about getting inspired, finding her passion. In high school, she discovers Instagram. And she is passionate about Instagram right away. She says, it's changed a lot in the years that I've used it, but I've always loved Instagram from such a young age and always enjoyed using the app, not just to post, but to scroll through. 
Okay. <laughs> That's what we all use it for, but she's original in thinking that, you know? So she was, like, posting influencer style in high school, which I guess is a thing now. It may, like, is that Addison Ray? He's All That movie? Was that real? Because I remember watching that being like, why would a high schooler wake up and, like, go live before school? This is such boomer writing. And now I'm like, am I the boomer? Yeah, <laughs> no, it this feels real? that way. That movie, um, like, Do Revenge or something, yeah. I saw that too. And I was like, oh, this is crazy to see how much it affects their, like, high school lives because like in high school I was just so scared of getting my period in my pants you know like <laughs> yeah. but you you think about like likes and stuff like that yes. like things that I to this day still don't want to think about yes she's posting influencer style in high school one of her early big posts was that she showed how to do her hair and everyone was like oh my god that hairstyle video you did was incredible I remember watching like YouTube videos of hair like kids doing their hair and just like, you're like, yeah, you wait for it to sizzle. And then <laughs> that's when you know it's done. Like, they're not giving good advice. No. <laughs> like, they, they're kids. <laughs> she writes, it wasn't as if I thought, I know I can make money from influencing. Let's try that. It was a really organic move because it was my passion. Yeah, you were in high school. And then she had 8,000 followers by the time she was 16, which, which is nuts. That's insane. And that was a really big deal in her high school. And she says it affected her whole life. She, like, never really had any boys' attention before that. And then when she had followers, guys were like, who's that girl with a lot of Instagram followers? And I like that she's like, and that's a good thing. And you're like, no, that's actually a really, really bad thing. It is not good. <laughs> yeah. People are using you from the age of 16. Okay, so there are a couple times in this book that really make you wonder if she has a single friend besides Zoe, her oh, sister. Yeah. She goes, a lot of my friends used to ask me to give them shout-outs on my Instagram account, and I always used to say no. Even back then, I cared about how I was coming across on social media and what my Instagram looked like, and I took a lot of pride in that excuse me that is insufferable yeah I think if I was in top level British high school and I asked someone to tag me on in first of all I can't imagine asking someone to tag me on Instagram unless it's a picture of me I'm like don't forget to tag me yeah (laughs) you know and if they said no what is wrong with her I think she's like super protective because that's the only the only friends she has are her 8,000 followers to this day the 8,000 people are her 8,000 closest friends then we've got another little insert from Zoe about how her and Zoe were so different because she would wear like stilettos to the movies and make Zoe take pictures of her. And Zoe was like, that sucked. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, I'm actually really traumatized by Molly. And Molly's like, she's my best friend and I'll make her die for me. <laughs> so then we get to Molly May's next big trauma, which was her parents' divorce. She was like 15 or 16 years old. And she writes about how her biggest fear was that her parents were going to get divorced because they like didn't get along. And she's like, oh my God, they fight all the time. They're probably going to get divorced. And I hope they don't. I don't know. I feel like if you really sense a divorce coming on, they should you're get divorced. Right. So I grew up with parents that should have gotten divorced. And <laughs> I remember having this fear of like, oh my God, are they going to get divorced? And now that they haven't and they just kind of hate each other, I'm like, why didn't you get divorced? Like, do you guys not respect yourselves enough to get a divorce? Like, this was traumatizing. Now I don't date. I don't like, because I'm scared to end up like you in a miserable marriage. Yeah. I think getting a divorce is like you respect yourself, you respect your family, and you're like, you know, this is not working. I don't think Molly May has any, I don't think she's ever really talked to her parents about it because she later in the book is like, you know, my mom wasted 20 years of her life in a marriage. And I'm like, well, don't discount the fact that she probably like loves you and Zoe. If your parents get divorced and they're still on good terms and they're still friends and can hang out, then that's not a trauma. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, Isn't if your that parents... like the best case scenario that your parents are doing what makes them happy while also providing a life that can make you happy? Yeah, because if your parents are like the ones that hate each other and are using you to communicate, then I'm like, yeah, that sucks to be in the middle of that as a yeah. young person. 
but also we're coming at this from like an older perspective being like get a divorce but back then I mean I would probably would have been crushed so I think that there's something here that she's not telling us and I might be giving her too much credit because the way she talks about this as a trauma and then she like alludes to the fact that she I mean she says specifically that her mom drank too much in the wake of the divorce yeah and then would like date a bit erratically which is what we do after a breakup right (laughs) But I'm just like, what happened? Like, was there, like, egregious alcoholism? Was there alcoholism that, like, really affected Molly May's life? And she just talks about how, like, her mom drank a lot and she had to grow up fast and there was, like, random men. And I'm just like, okay, this is where I need you to, like, say one specific sentence because I can't tell if you're just being like, I don't know, after the divorce, my mom dated a bunch and also like had a couple drinks sometimes. We needed to know like whether or not your mom was a huge whore or just like had two dates. You know what I mean? Like, like we I needed need that. to know whether or not something happened to you and you like witnessed some shit that was bad. <laughs> yeah. Or did you, you walk in on your mom crying in the bathtub drinking wine or was she just having like <laughs> drinks <right>. with girls? <laughs> because throughout this, Molly talks about how her mom's behavior during this time really influenced her relationship to alcohol she doesn't drink almost at all and she later in the book talks about how she gets really upset when Tommy is drunk ever and he gets drunk like four times a year so I'm like did something happen here or do you have no concept of what alcohol is like are you just like someone who's like any alcohol is bad alcohol say no to drugs kids or are you did you like see something really bad when you were 16 years old and now you have trauma it feels like the former. It feels like <laughs> it really because I feel like if she did experience that trauma with her mom and her mom like stumbling home and like waking up in the kitchen and like seeing her mom like drool like that, like I would be like she would put that in the book. But I don't know that she would because she and her mom have a really good relationship now, according to her nonsense, like according to what she said. According here, to her, she sees her mom twice a year. I think she would see her mom zero times a year if she wrote in this book that her mom was like a, crazy like, a mess that like scarred her for life yeah i mean but she is saying that she was scarred for life because now she doesn't even touch alcohol that's true and it's like well we all need a little bit (laughs) we all need to get loose every now and again so giving her the benefit of the doubt i am like what happened here but also having read the rest of this book i'm like maybe nothing though so when you know when her mom was partying she like accidentally sent a message to the group chat being like i hate mom and she's like i'll never forgive myself for that moment and i always check my texts now and i'm just like the literal text was i hate mom mom I can't do this anymore I'm so upset which is not that bad of a text I know I'm like what did you say to your mom's face yeah because I've said things to my mom like in uh, high school and stuff where I'm like oh my god what I was a bitch yeah you know know, when you're in high school and you like don't when everyone's like oh you're just a young girl raging with hormones and you're like shut the fuck up I'll kill you and (laughs) and then like you look back on things you said like seven years later and you're like oh that's what hormones is (laughs) yeah you're like, oh, that's what Adderall did to my brain. Okay. <laughs> sorry, mom. I and then also and her mom gave her a massive hug and said, I'm really sorry you feel like this. And then in time, things did calm down. Right. So like this book is so fucking after school special about everything that I'm like, you're either lying or you have the most boring, extraordinary life anyone's ever seen. I think she has a boring, extraordinary life because I think if she was truly like had gone through something, she would use it for clout. Yeah. After her A-levels, I don't know. After her, like, 16-year-old British school, I guess you can, like, pick your next school. Yeah. So she could continue at the school she was at and go to sixth form, or she could do the unexpected thing and go to fashion school, 
which I guess no one had ever heard of before, even though the school existed. Even though Jenny Humphrey existed. So she went to fashion school. She went there for one day and she got so scared about not knowing anyone that she went back to her old school the next day. But then she decided to face her fears and go back to fashion school the third day. And I'm just like, what is school then? (laughs) Did you have to enroll in anything? You could just show up in different places and be like, this is my school now. Maybe that's just the British school system. (laughs) (laughs) Whoever's in the room at the time class starts goes here now. Yeah. She spent two years there and ended up getting a level three qualification in fashion retail. The course covered buying, merchandising, and window dressing. It was very broad, but because of my passion for fashion, it came naturally to me. She talks about finding her style. She says, as someone who went to fashion school, of course, I tried to look really cool. But I also like to wear the most comfortable things. So I'll wear a lot of stuff that just is easy to put together. Other girls can recreate my outfits really easily because they're nothing too crazy. This is like just the most elaborate way anyone's ever been like I dress boring but people copy it (laughs) it's crazy to me that she like thinks she's a fashion icon when um, most of her pictures are in the most basics or just like sweatsuits and also she posts she has like photos in this book where she shows you like what she wore to fashion school just regular clothes literally a red puffer black jeans and then high heels that's her at fashion school (laughs) This is the confidence. This is the confidence because when I put together an outfit that is regular, I think this is my outfit for today. Not like, okay, I put together the most regular thing. Now let's go create content out of it. Yeah. It's very Danielle Bernstein. She talks about how early when she started getting followers and trying to really develop her Instagram presence, she would like buy clothes and do a haul and then return the clothes. And then sometimes she would forget to return the clothes and her mom would get mad at her. It's giving a uh, rich girl trying to be poor, you know, yeah. like your mom's like, ah, Molly, and, you know, like yeah. she didn't really get upset at you. <laughs> she didn't really. It seems like you guys are fine. Yeah. So around this time, she gets into pageants. I forgot to say earlier that one of her hobbies when she was in high school was Irish step dancing. And she's <laughs> like, I always did the unique thing. And I'm like, is Irish step dancing that unique in England? I really don't think so. I feel like there's way too many people that are like, I used to do that. Yeah. Like I knew people who did it at my school in Illinois. So she's talking about how she discovers pageants because her favorite thing about Irish step dancing competitions, I I don't know how to pronounce the word that you say for competitions. (laughs) F-E-I-S. She realizes her favorite thing about the Irish step dancing competitions was putting on like a curly wig and doing a full (laughs) face of makeup. And then she finds out about pageants and she's like, oh my God, you can do the wig and the makeup and not have to dance. And she was like, I found my thing finally. (laughs) Yeah. So she does a pageant and then she realizes how much pageants actually require you to spend the entire year, like raising money for charity. So she doesn't do that well, but she does like, she places like 12th. And then she goes back the next year ready to fucking crush it. And she gets like runner up, I think, or she wins. Oh, she won one of the titles. So I don't know how many titles there were. And then she got to go compete in China. And this is like the last pageant she ever does. She goes to China. She made a bunch of friends. And she placed like runner up, I think. And from doing pageants, she gets to really like dive into her love for hair and makeup, which is like some of the things she's absolutely most passionate about in the world. And she really looks at those rejections and not winning certain things as paving the way for her to do different things (laughs) she says nothing in this book she's like I got rejected but then I did something else and you're like okay every like chapter or paragraph title it's like you're like you think you're about to get it's like edging you're like she writes my world opens up and it's like about Instagram (laughs) (laughs) so she starts getting serious about Instagram after her trip to China I think she already was I feel like every 10 pages she goes I started to take Instagram really seriously (laughs) yeah 
It feels like you always took it seriously. And also she starts doing YouTube, but she doesn't do it as a passion. She There's a quote where she goes, uh, I knew YouTube could be a job. I didn't do it because I thought it was a bit of fun. I thought something could come from this. And it's like, yeah, she just truly wanted to be famous. Yeah. She's like, I knew about how YouTube worked. One video could blow up and then people would just find your channel. So she does a hair video, of course, that blows up. People love watching her do her hair. And then she starts working with brands pretty quickly because she's like, there was this one extensions brand that I'm pretty sure was looking for someone with blonde hair. Yeah. And you're like, I can't believe they hadn't found it. (laughs) It's crazy to me that white privilege was never once mentioned in this book when it's like truly the whole book. I do not think she knows what that is. (laughs) Yeah. And then she also goes, I wasn't keen on making any of my other jobs my career, dot, dot, dot. And it's like, no, we, it's pretty obvious you wanted to make Instagram and YouTube your career. (laughs) You were like 16 years old telling your friends, I take my socials really seriously. I cannot tag you. Yeah. (laughs) I knew social media meant I could turn myself into a business and that's what I wanted to do. And so then she does a quick little divot into some of the actual jobs that she's had. And keep in mind that she went on Love Island when she was 20. So these are the jobs she had as a teenager. She was a lifeguard at one point. It was a quiet job, but it came with a lot of responsibility. They used to tell us that if someone drowned on our watch, it could be taken really seriously. I mean, yeah, no, a death would be kind of serious. (laughs) Can you imagine being a 17-year-old lifeguard, having someone die on your watch and then being like, was that my fault? She goes, oh, I shouldn't post today on Instagram. (laughs) The background of him drowning in the pool shouldn't be there. (laughs) So then she works at a gym. And this was pretty important to her because it helped her learn that working out was a passion and not a career opportunity. She said that she lost her love of the gym from working at a gym because she had to be up early and she hates waking up early. And then she got sick and so she had to take some time off, but then she never went back to work. And then they were like, you look better. And she was like, oops. (laughs) Yeah. Didn't they find her like posting or something? Oh, shit. They saw that she had gone out in London and got an Uber at 3 a.m. And they were like, I thought you were sick. And she was like, I I wasn't. (laughs) Looking back, all those jobs helped me learn what I didn't want from a job. I realized that I get bored very easily, which is why I couldn't stay in a job for long. I was chopping and changing all the time because they just weren't for me. And that really reinforced for me what I'd always known. I wanted to do something a bit different to what was on offer to me. I just didn't know what yet. I don't know. I do feel like as a 19-year-old who's like, well, I've tried working as a lifeguard. I've tried working at the gym. None of those paths seem right (laughs) for me. What I want is to just be famous. Yeah. No, it's like that you did two jobs and you were like, well, I guess working isn't for me. <laughs> she says she got semi-fired from the gym. I say that all the time when I get full fired. Oh, I've gotten fired so many times and I go, I, I walked away. <laughs> I, it was my choice. As we know, she's taking Instagram more seriously. She's starting to get brand deals. She has like a hair company working with her and people start sending her outfits. She takes a, another job. I guess it was a big thing in England because we have a couple other British memoirists who've done this who like go to Ibiza for the summer. Yeah, but Ibiza is so clubs. big. Yeah. It's just so funny because she was like, people were doing drugs in Ibiza. I can't believe that. And it's like, well, that's uh, what that place is. And then she goes, she's like, I couldn't be around drugs. My parents were cops. Yeah, literally. I can't be around this. My parents are in the police. They did not raise me to be okay with being around this stuff. That's part of growing up. I don't know. I can't believe <laughs> she like went to Ibiza for the summer and then pursued a career where like most of it is doing coke. Yeah. And she just like 
didn't realize that the party island would be filled with party drugs. Yeah. So she goes to Ibiza and she's supposed to go for the summer. She gets like a very coveted job. And then she only stays for two weeks because she's like, okay, everyone was just partying and that wasn't really fun for me. (laughs) (laughs) She was like, no one wanted to take my photos. But because she was in Ibiza and she was able to change the backgrounds of her photos and have photos when she was in Ibiza and she had posted that she was going to be going there. So brands had sent her some things to wear because she had already had a bit of a following at that point. So she was able to like mix up the backgrounds of her photos. Some of it was in London and some of it was back in Ibiza. And then she started getting more followers. So it started to really help her out. She like went home after two weeks, but she got about 16,000 followers. The damage was done. She was on her way to success. So she goes back home and she starts really doubling down. People are starting to send her stuff. She's starting to make like $500 a month from influencing. And she's like, this is it. This is who I meant to be. She has these like little like blurbs that I think are supposed to be like very like deep. And this one's my favorite. My parents have always just been so super supportive. What a beautiful quote to read about. (laughs) yeah so now that she's taking influencing really seriously but she's back living with her mom she realizes you know what if I'm gonna keep doing this to my highest potential I need to move to Manchester she says she manifested an apartment there but she like went to look for apartments there and then like found one in the building she was looking at she sat across a building that she liked well she didn't mean to she just was like oh I like this building that I'm sitting in front of and then refreshed her feed because it was location-based feed and then the apartment popped up (laughs) it's like street easy it's like where your location is you know what I mean yeah she says the reason she had to move to Manchester is because she couldn't progress in her job because there weren't new locations or cool backgrounds where she lived So she moves to Manchester like in a weekend. Things start going even better. She starts working with brands. She's getting recognized a little bit because she's going out. She has about 150K. But her identity truly is like her number of followers. And then she gets the opportunity to go on Love Island. And she says that she walks into this audition like just knowing she got it. She had this feeling in her stomach that she's like, I'm meant to be on that island And I know I'm going to be on the show. But then she talks about how she actually auditioned the year before and didn't get it because she was very shy. And then one year later, she is no longer shy. But I thought she said earlier that she was never, ever shy. Yeah, she's a hypocrite. This is like (laughs) nothing in this book makes sense. (laughs) And then later she's like, you know, walking onto that show, I have no idea where my confidence comes from. And I'm like, what do you, I thought you've been confident the whole time. Yeah, you said you were confident from like age 10 like you were making hair tutorial videos at 14 and that to me actually does feel confident and you had a strawberry birthmark that you were confident in like what are you talking even the things that you shouldn't have been confident in you were confident in so then she covers all of love island in like three pages she says she went in she and tommy were meant to be in so many ways because they were both born the same year in may so we were the exact same age i guess that's kismet yeah, but also <laughs> she says that she went on Love Island to grow her Instagram following. I mean, we'll get to her relationship advice later, but she her whole goal for Love Island was to grow her Instagram following. And then when she found out that she wasn't going to be part of the original cast, she almost turned it down. She like said, you know what, I'm not doing that. And then they were like, no, you'll be the first bombshell, which is like the people who enter the villa after the original cast couples up. And so she agrees to do it then, but people had were actually advising her against it. They said if you go in not as part of the main cast, you might not get as much attention. But it's also like she did do a good job being the first bombshell. Like She was a legendary bombshell. She really was. The walk in was like a meme. Like her in that hot tub, her and Tommy were like... I like remember her in that hot tub. And then she kind of gets her first true dose of trolling, but she wasn't really there to see it. 
her sister was running her Instagram while she was in the villa. So one thing about Love Island that I find insane is that it happens in real time. Those episodes are airing like the day after they happen. I don't know what kind of hours those editors are pulling, but it is psychotic. So then you have a family member on, or like a friend or someone on the outside of the villa manning your social media for you. And now they usually get management involved because... For a while, these people were popping off so hard. So for her sister, the hate got really bad managing Molly's Instagram while she was in the villa. So she hired a manager. And Molly, as we know, is a huge control freak over her socials. I mean, she is a self-proclaimed control freak. She, once again, in high school, wouldn't shout out her friends. Her sister hired a manager to help out. And Molly found out about it when she was in the villa and, like, freaked out about it. The amount that social media was on her mind while she was in the villa is surprising to me. Not surprising, but, like, it's upsetting. Because back then, I was like, oh, I like her and Tommy. Like, I like their relationship. But now I kind of understand why people were like, oh, she's not really in it. Like, maybe she wasn't actually in it because she was thinking about her Instagram the whole time. I think it is really interesting that they didn't have clocks in the villa. They control everything that you do. They yeah. Can, and also when you're eating, like, they don't let you talk to each other. Yeah. Or if they, you're going on a date, they, you can't talk to them before the date. For the final week when you're a finalist, your families come into the villa and, like, meet your potential partner or whatever, whoever you're dating. It's so weird when they become, like, official boyfriend and girlfriend in the villa. Because I'm like, what the fuck does that mean? It just means that if a bombshell comes in, you can't look at them. Yeah. <laughs> you know? You can't let your head be turned. Yeah. How yeah. dare you crack on with someone else? <laughs> yeah. But what's interesting is what I do remember that family visit because Molly May, like, cried so much. Yeah. And I at the time, I was like, oh, she loves her family. And now I'm like, oh, she missed her Instagram. <laughs> she wanted to know what was going on with her Instagram. Then, as a part of the show, Islanders get to see their relatives, and my mom and sister came on the show to visit me. I tried to find out what was happening. What's going on with my Instagram? Who's the person managing me? They said they'd tell me when I came out. I was so frustrated. My sister, bless her, knew how much I wanted to know what was happening with my business. I was looking at her saying, Zoe, what's going on? How many followers have I got? <laughs> Quietly, she drew the shape of a 2.2 for 2.2 million on her leg. I was stunned. Oh, my God. I remember her nodding. It's good. But I did get a sense that it's good and it's bad. It's a lot. Yeah, I mean, you don't just get that many followers and, like, no hate. Yeah. I, there's not a single person that has so many followers that doesn't get hate. You just get I mean, there's not a, a single person who has, like... <laughs> a very moderate amount of followers who doesn't get hate everybody gets hate like unless you have a private instagram where it's like just your friends someone's and even, gonna be a little mean yeah and sometimes your friends are mean yeah so she talks about before the finale she and tommy were staying in a hotel because i guess they let you go to a hotel to get ready and she they someone left a tv on and they were yeah. watching coverage of love island where the reporters were talking about how much everyone hates molly may and I guess in the villa, Molly and Tommy were the front runners to win because everyone was like, oh, they're the only ones with like a real relationship. That was, I guess, not what was happening in the outside world. I mean, we know that that's not what's happening in the outside world. I remember everyone hated them because they thought she was fake. They find out that everyone hates them. And so then they get second place. I mean, I do think her and Tommy genuinely love each other, but in a way where they both love the same things and value the same things in a relationship, but like they don't love each other the way that like I hope to love my future partner yeah and the way that you love bug yeah (laughs) no it's interesting because at one point she goes oh my god people know who my boyfriend is they're gonna know who I am this is actually 
what things are going to be like now. She's so happy. <laughs> yeah, you're so happy. But also, like, you knew that going into Love Island. Like, you knew people were going to know who you are. It like, was you like, went in for Instagram followers. Everyone on Love Island since season one has become famous in the UK, at least. You become famous. Like, yeah. I don't understand why she's like, oh, and I didn't expect it when her whole point in going in was, this is going to grow my following. Her whole goal <laughs> since she was 11 was yeah. to become famous. <laughs> yeah. And then she's like, wow, gee, look at me. And it's like, okay, well, you put in a lot of time and effort finding those backgrounds. It was the best feeling in the world to get it back. This is about her phone. But it was a bit of a reality check. As much as I'm so happy to have my phone back, as Tommy and I were sitting on our beds on our phones, I realized real life is back. Before, we'd been talking to each other because we had nothing else to do. That bubble burst so quickly. Real life hits you the moment you get your phone back, and that's it. You're out of your dreamland that never really existed. That never really existed makes me be like, oh, you guys weren't in love. Okay, here's the thing. She does not strike me as a bright bulb. Like He seems like just like a happy idiot who thinks of nothing yeah he really feels like a golden retriever to me so i'm wondering for eight weeks in the villa what could they have talked about like i'm sure they have nothing to talk about now because like they any conversations they could have had have been had yeah and it's i'm sure the new conversations are like how was the fight today the fight was a little different this time i got two more punches in and she's like oh you're so brilliant i'm so (laughs) proud of you (laughs) i woke up at 10 a.m. instead of 11 a.m. I'm really working on becoming an early riser. She like hates waking up early. Okay, so she gets back to reality and everyone's calling her Money May instead of Molly May because they think she was just there for the money, which she like was, but not the Love Island money. No, she was there for the money that she was going to make influencing. Yeah, which is like honestly the smarter long game, but like she was there for the money. So her, she got a manager in the villa and then she was so skeptical. And then she was like, and then the moment I fr- met Fran, she is the love of my life. I love her more than Tommy. I would die she for really her. Does. Yeah. She loves Fran because Fran gets her money and she really is money, May. She's like, my friends call me that as a joke now. And I'm like, is it? Are they kidding? <laughs> yeah. I don't know that they are. And I don't think what she's doing is wrong. I mean, we live in a capitalist world, baby. Get that money. But like... I mean, if I was getting that much money, I would also be like, yeah, I'm Money Lily. Please call me Money Lily. (laughs) (laughs) Then we have a section on her relationships, friendship, and love. I don't know that there are any, so I think we can speed through this. She talks (laughs) about her inner circle, which is mostly her sister and like two other people. She doesn't like to have too many friends because she doesn't have enough time. And I'm just like, okay, Molly. She also then says that she spends most of her time at home doing nothing. And I'm like, okay, then you do have time for friends. Like, I don't understand. She's one of those people that doesn't understand what a friend is. Yeah. Like, she thinks in her eyes, a friend is someone who gives you everything that you need, but you don't really reciprocate. (laughs) I mean, we'll get to her big friendship falling out, which she, again, gives no details on because there's nothing in this book. But this is the one thing that I felt was actually quite relatable. She talks about having friends in different sections and she doesn't really have a friendship group but she has like a bunch of random friends well she says that they're from all different backgrounds and I'm like they're definitely not from all different backgrounds (laughs) they're all white (laughs) (laughs) but they are maybe like you know them from different places like your pageant friends and your like lifeguard friends yeah or maybe different people and she's like it is stressful when you're doing a birthday party because it's not like one group of people hanging out it's like a bunch of people who don't know each other and I'm like I don't know man then don't have a birthday party just have like a couple dinners I don't think you need a friendship group. Like, we're not in high school anymore, you know? I mean, it's, like, nice to have a couple of couch friends. I think that's all that's important. Couch friends are people that you can hang out on the couch with. Yeah. No, that's most of my friends. So she says she doesn't get FOMO because 
she just doesn't like socializing and i'm like okay molly but it's it's crazy she goes i'm just not a social butterfly and then at the beginning of the book she was like i'm a social butterfly but she actually talks about her friendships in high school and she mentions that she wasn't part of the most popular group she was just had like a group of friends that were kind of second like the second tier girls who are like not cool but not uncool yeah and then she's like a couple years later when i had gotten my braces off and my acne had subsided i was able to join the popular table And then, you know, I didn't end up staying close with any of those girls. And now I don't really have any friends from school. And I'm just like, yeah, that's because you were you spent all of school social climbing. You like abandoned your actual friend group. And then the other girls actually didn't like you. Yeah, they just wanted you because you had the following that you worked so hard to get. It's just so interesting that people like will abandon everything for like the idea of popularity, but popularity does not matter. But it's also interesting when you have continuously abandoned things for the idea of popularity. I mean, at this point, I guess this is only over a span of like seven years because she's 23 when she's writing this. (laughs) That's so true. (laughs) But when you like keep abandoning things for the idea of popularity and it never leads to something fulfilling, like I hope eventually she learns a lesson yeah, I don't think she'll ever lunar lesson. The way that this book is going is just like, she's just like, and I'm okay with that. And anyways, moving on. Yeah. And you're like, okay, like on your deathbed, you're not going to be like, well, at least I joined the popular group. You know, you're going to be like, oh, who's around me right now at my Oh worst. my God. Imagine her like slipping in and out of a coma and every time she comes out, <laughs> and she's like, how many followers now? <laughs> Anyway, so she does have trust issues because of a friendship falling out that she had. And also now that she's more successful, she doesn't know what people really want from her. And that's been hard on her. She says that this friendship falling out was very difficult for her. We were really, really close, but completely grew apart. And now we're not friends anymore. It was all a bit tricky. She felt I was unsupportive because I'm not great at keeping in contact with people. But we had both changed. Every day I was waking up thinking, is this the day that our friendship is going to end? Is this the day that we're going to have a big fallout? That's not how you're meant to be with your friends. Friends are supposed to add to your life so that you really want to see them and you want to hang out with them. Okay, so to break it down here, what I'm hearing is the reason I wasn't checking in on this friend is because they were boring as fuck and there was nothing to check in on. If you want me to check in on you, give me something I want to hear about. (laughs) No, it's really interesting that she woke up every day thinking about this friend but couldn't reach out. Yeah. And be like, hey, what's up? I'm thinking about you. She was just kind of waiting for it to die. And it's like, okay, like if you don't want to be friends with someone, that's fine. But then don't be like, this was a mental torture that I woke up with every single day because that just doesn't make sense to me. Especially when the problem was that you weren't like keeping contact. But that's the thing is that I think she thinks that friends just give to her and she doesn't really give back or like giving back in her way is being like, oh, I'll like post a picture of you on my Instagram, even though she doesn't do that, or yeah. like I'll pay for dinner or something when it's like friendship is more emotional than anything else because you have to check in and you have right. to make sure you're okay and talk you through things. And we always talk about this, but friendship is so much more complicated than relationships because relationships, there's one and the expectations are like, there's so much information in society about like what you're supposed to do in a relationship. Like this is yeah. what you're supposed to give to your partner and this is what your par- partner is supposed to give back. And you can create a non-traditional relationship. But like if you want a traditional relationship, there's like a lot out there about what that's supposed to look like whereas friendship can be like so many different levels and so many different things and so you have to like know 
Yeah, and it's also, like, really complicated because friendships, like, are so different. Like, my friendship with my guy friends are so different than the ones with my girlfriends. You know what I mean? Or, like, certain girlfriends have, like, more of an emotional intelligence that I can lean on, whereas some are just more for a fun time. You know what I mean? Like, and there's a way to, like, kind of navigate having all these different friends. But if you don't put the time and effort into it, then you're not going to – you're going to end up like Molly May. (laughs) The thing is, I don't think she wants to put work into anything in her life. The fact that she's, like, having a job wasn't for me because you had to, like, be there every day. And she's like, having a friend is not for me because you have to like call them. Yeah. And she's like, the reason me and Tommy work is because we wake up together every day. (laughs) Yeah. The way she talks about relationships stresses me the fuck out. (laughs) Sometimes ending a friendship can be for the best. If you're really not getting on with someone, if they're not adding positivity to your life and making you happy, then they need to go. And if it's got to that stage, it's probably not working for them either. If anything in life doesn't work for you, it needs to go if possible. I am such a strong believer that you get one life. So every day needs to be the best it can be. And that doesn't mean that everyone's best version has to be the same. Make it what you want it to be. This feels very transactional. Like if someone is not making your life better, I don't know. I think so many relationships ebb and flow. Like, I don't know. I have friends that if they're going through a hard time, I will be honest, their day-to-day presence is not like making me joyful, but I like love them. And I'm like, okay, but it'll be fun again soon. (laughs) Yeah. There's like so many things that happen in this life where you're like, you just need to be there for someone. But I feel like if I was friends with Molly May and I was like, Hey, the the situation in Iran has really bothered me. She'd be like, well, we're not friends anymore. (laughs) She'd be like, okay, you're supposed to add to my life. Not bum me out. (laughs) (laughs) Research shows that sex is as mental as it is physical. So you need more than just an amazing vibrator. If you've dog-eared one essay chapter in a romance novel, or you have that particular scene in a movie you always think about, try Dipsy to help you get there in a new way. With Dipsy, you can skip straight to the, what we call good parts. Dipsy is an app full of hundreds of short, sexy audio stories designed by women for women. They bring scenarios to life with immersive soundscapes and realistic characters. Find stories about that sexy coworker, that barista with a British accent, hooking up with your yoga instructor. They have celebrity voices telling you these sexy, sexy stories to really take your fantasies to the next level. They've also got sleep stories, wellness stories, and sexy stories you can read. Let Dipsy be your go-to place to spice up your me time, explore your fantasies, relax, and unwind, or heat things up with a partner. Every time I go into my Dipsy app, there is something new. There is something exciting. There is something I didn't even know that I wanted, but all of a sudden I was like, wait a second, is that what I'm into? It's the perfect way to find out, to explore, to experiment. It feels like just the perfect judgment-free zone to really discover yourself. Dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash worm. That's 30 days of full access for free when you go to D-I-P-S-E-A stories.com slash worm. Dipsystories.com slash worm. Whether you're craving a good mystery or you just need to get away for a while, June's Journey is the perfect game for you. Sit back, relax, and let your inner Sherlock escape to the glamorous Roaring Twenties. Search for hidden clues, solve mystery after mystery, and travel across thousands of vivid scenes with new chapters every single week. There's always a new case waiting to be cracked. For me, June's Journey is my perfect escape game as a little tree after I've done lots of good hard work. Sometimes lately I've been putting my phone in the other room to really focus and get things done. And then when my timer hits its little 30-minute mark, I get to go play a June's Journey. It's the perfect way to unwind and give yourself a little pat on the back after a super productive day. If you never get tired of a good whodunit, you'll love June's Journey. You play as June Parker, an amateur detective on a quest to solve the murder of her sister and uncover her family's many secrets. You'll need to find objects devilishly hidden in intricate scenes full of little details before the timer runs out. A variety of game modes and puzzles await. 
Dune's Journey has tons of fun, unique features to keep you entertained. Chat and play with or against other players when you join the detective club. You'll even get a chance to play in a detective league to put your skills to the test. Help June relive some of her fondest memories with the new memoir feature. Piece together her past to complete gorgeous albums and unlock exclusive awards like Island Beautification. Should we start June's Journey Memoir Club? There's a detective in all of us. Find your inner detective and download June's Journey today. Available on Android and iOS mobile devices as well as on PC through Facebook games. And then we get to move into her love lessons. She was a virgin for a while. She says she remembers in school getting called frigid. And then as she started to get more followers on Instagram, more boys started to like her, which she's like amazing, good stuff. But she got her boyfriend at 16. Yeah. So you weren't a virgin for a long time. You were a virgin when you were a child and shouldn't have been having sex. Like that doesn't make sense to me. No, I think she lost her virginity at like an extremely average time. (laughs) Yeah. I lost my virginity at 21 and I was like, that was too early. (laughs) (laughs) That was my virginity at 18 and I was just like, that was a weird one yeah and I like I felt very like okay it's time it's time it's time it's time like everyone's gonna think I'm like weird yeah and I was that weird girl (laughs) (laughs) she had one boyfriend and they did all of their first or she had all of her first with him first kiss first relationship first banging and then it ended and then she was single for a little while while she like tried to really like dive into her influencing career and then she went on love island and now she she's... was single for two years yeah i've been single my whole life <laughs> i don't even think she was single she thinks she was single for like just over one year yeah and she was like and so i'm an independent woman now and it's like no you're not she and tommy she talks about their relationship and how when they met she like wasn't really sure about him she was attracted to him right away But then she realized that he wasn't pretending. He wasn't trying to chat me up. It was actually about having a natural flowing conversation. And I wonder if she like had ever had a natural flowing conversation before. (laughs) Yeah. No, because I remember watching them talk on Love Island and just being like, wow, this is the dumbest conversation I think I've ever heard in my life. I wonder if like no one has ever asked her questions. Like sometimes I do go on dates where I'm like, wow, they did not ask me one question. But I think when you're on Love Island and I've definitely gotten like falsely attracted to people because they are like overly inquisitive and I'm just like, oh my God, they're so interested in me. <laughs> yeah. No, I'll be attracted to someone if they make a lot of eye contact. I'm like, okay, let's, um, let's date and get married. Yeah. I feel like the fact that he like asked her questions and carried on a conversation, which like might not even be his natural state of being. It might be because they had nothing else to do. Yeah. That's what she said. And they had like <laughs> eight weeks of conversation to fill. So they talk about how loyalty is the most important thing. And I know that there is speculation that he's cheated on her. I don't know if that's real or not. I don't know if that's like actually a rumor mill or just like people not trusting any relationship, especially one that was forged on a reality show. I truly don't think that he's cheating on her. One, he's a Taurus. And I'm a Taurus. We don't cheat. (laughs) Well, that's not true. I'm sure there's Tauruses out there that cheat. Um, But I just, I do think that he is loyal. And I think honestly that he's way too busy to cheat. I'm loyal, babe. He's a loyal babe. And like, so he's he's doing all these fights all the time. He's living with her. And also he's too dumb to hide it. Yeah. You know, like, I don't think he would, like, pay attention to a girl leaving a, a hair tie or, like, a piece of jewelry or something. I know. I'm just so suspicious that when she she mentions, I think, five or six times in this book how loyal he is. And she mentions, like, four times that he would never so much as look at another woman. He only has eyes for her. And yeah. so I'm like, 
wow, that is a lot of protests. Maybe he's just like nearsighted. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> he didn't see her there. That's why he, he keeps losing his fights. He can't even see a fist yeah. coming. He can't see five feet ahead of him, so he didn't notice her at all. And she talks about being happier in a relationship because it's just like something that's checked off. She's like, it's no. so nice to have him because if she was single, she'd be juggling too much stuff. And they've been in the same situations together. Like they both went on Love Island and had an experience together. And so it's just like really nice to have him. And I'm like, that I guess that would be friends too. Yeah. Like she says she's friends with Mora, but I don't know that she like really talks to Mora. She has this little blurb where she goes, how you know, talking about how you know you're in a good relationship. She <laughs> goes, I always say, you know, you're in a good relationship when you go to bed at night and you get excited to wake up the next day to spend time with that person. Me and Tommy, before we go to bed, we're always having such a laugh that when we go to sleep, I think, oh, do we have to go to sleep? I want to carry on chatting. I want to carry on laughing. And that's when you know you're in a good relationship because there's constantly things to talk about. I would love I would to be a fly on the wall. I would love to know what they talk about. I there's also like, I really want her to make a friend. I know. <laughs> I'm just like, oh my God, if you love chatting and laughing, wait till you hear about friends. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, so she talks about how in a relationship you should never waste time. And one of her biggest fears is wasting time because she says her mom spent 25 years of her life with the wrong man. We have one life and every day is so precious. Like, okay, yes, your parents were not meant to be together forever, but it does seem like their divorce was amicable and like maybe it was good for a time. Yeah, obviously they did love each other at a certain point. Like she's like, she wasted 20 years. It's like... Well, you were born in those 20 years, so it wasn't a waste. Like, what are you talking right. about? Like, do you think she, like, regrets you and Zoe? Because then it was a waste of time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think her fear of just, like, wasting time is, like, her just, uh, like, a fear of, like, posting an Instagram post that isn't going to do well. <laughs> this is so funny. She's like, I don't want to waste time in a relationship. But anyway, I think relationships should all be easy. She says very specifically, I don't think a relationship should feel like work. I think that if you have to put work into it, that's not a relationship. That's a chore for me anyway. I think that you should only be in a relationship if it adds to your life effortlessly and it's completely effortless with Tommy. What? You know what's funny is I always think about uh, Haley Bieber and Justin Bieber because they both go, damn, this marriage is hard work. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I think that there is a spectrum. I don't, think, yeah. I don't think you should wake up every day being like, we fight and we fight and we yeah. fight to be together. Like, okay, you shouldn't be like at war, but you also shouldn't be like, anyway, this is easy. Yeah. Like you should fight for something. Yeah, I just think it's when you have two pretty, like, bland people, <laughs> it's going to be an easy relationship, you know? She says they're similar in a lot of ways. They have the same interests. They both never had trauma growing up. <laughs> yeah, she goes, I'm so lucky right now living with him. I don't have to make a conscious effort to spend time with my partner. I mean, maybe you should make a conscious effort to have, like, a date night or something. I don't know. I feel like all of my friends who live with their partners, when I talk to them, it sounds like they really have to make a conscious effort to, like, make time for each other because people who live together will fall back on that and be like, well, we just see each other around. Yeah. And you have to, like, make a conscious effort to be like, no, but I prioritize my quality time with you. She also says again here, we both want kids relatively soon because when you're with someone and it feels so right, the next stage you see is having kids with them. And it's like, that is not, I think, a good reason to have children because you're like, well, we like each other now. What's next? Yeah. I, it, it does feel like she has this like old school mentality of like a woman in the 1950s of like, well, we've been dating for this amount of days. Now we do this and then we do this. And it's like, I don't know. And he, he's literally, it goes, he wants to be a world champion one day. I'm like... Well, then maybe focus on that. Focus on that and like focus on your career. You're 25. She goes, there's no rush for the time being. <laughs> I mean, 
There's no rush. Anyways, I'm pregnant. <laughs> For the time being, we're happy with the children we do have. All 17 of them. We call them our children, but really they're a collection of cuddly toys, stuffed giraffes, turtles, and more. Ellie Belly is my elephant who's literally been with me since I was a baby who I took into the villa, and all the others have names too. But there are 17, so I'm not going to list them all. She says that they travel with them. Yeah, that, it's a very creepy thing to do is travel with 17 stuffed animals and have a specific duffel bag for them. <laughs> This is crazy to me. My advice, if you want a relationship, stop looking for it, says the girl who went on a dating television show. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I know she went to get followers, and so she was like, I wasn't looking for a relationship. I was looking for Instagram. I was looking for a relationship with all of you, my yeah. beloved followers. <laughs> but still, to say that, that's like my least favorite advice. Is like, it'll come when you least expect it. It's so funny because I've been given that advice as someone who's been single for my whole life. Oh my life. God, same. People give me that advice all the time. And I'm like, okay, I deleted my dating apps. I'm not expecting it at all. It I'm still n- has not come. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, it's been 28 years. Uh, Tommy's take is that he knew Molly was the one for him when he saw her in the hot tub on Love Island. When I first laid my eyes on her, I thought, yep, she'll do for me just fine. That is not romantic to me. I know, but she did look really hot in that hot tub. And I did remember seeing his face like light up because the whole time before she was there, he was like, I'm looking for a blonde. I'm looking for someone in Manchester. Like, and it was like, she ticked all of his boxes. Okay. Now we're into the meat of it. Molly's beauty journey. (laughs) So now we're getting to Molly's beauty journey. As you guys know, Molly is famous for having too much filler and then getting it dissolved. This is like, the only time in this book that she like contemplates action shows feeling towards and because it has to do with her appearance and the way that people are perceiving it if it was something else where people were perceiving something negative about her i don't think she would care as much as this filler thing because it's not like what she looks like it truly is like the hardest decision she's ever made was like what to do about her filler i didn't even know that they had these packages but she was like they had full face packages where you could get your lips cheeks and jaw done for 400 pounds and i was like why would you do that? <laughs> she first starts talking about her birthmark and how she like didn't give a shit about it. But her parents were always like, God, your life will be so hard if you keep having that birthmark. And she's like, I think it's actually kind of fine because she like <laughs> likes standing out. Yeah, she loves it. And so I don't think it doesn't seem like she ever had an issue with it, except for the fact that adults in her life kept being like, that's disgusting. Wow, beautiful girl, except for that heinous mark upon her <laughs> yeah, head. Yeah. So she ended up getting it removed, and now it's just a little scar. Then she moves into talking about her relationship to makeup and how she kind of doesn't like wearing that much makeup. Which I don't believe. Prove it, I suppose. <laughs> I, everyone I meet that like doesn't like makeup, like just doesn't wear makeup. You know, yeah. like even influencers, famous people, like you'll see so many people not wear makeup. And but all of her posts, she's like. In a full face. And then she falls into the filler trap. So she's living in Manchester and she decides to get a little bit of filler put in her lips. And she does this because she sees like other influencers getting filler and she thinks that that's what she has to do to succeed as an influencer, which I do find very sad. Like I do think that if you're getting something done to your appearance because you think that that will help you succeed at influencing, that is not a good reason to do it. But you guys know I'm pro. I mean, I get Botox in my forehead. You yeah. have filler. I have lip filler and I get Botox in my jaw because I have TMJ and I love it. I think it's yeah. it made me happy. I It's not like I was like sad or depressed before, but I was like, oh, let me do this. I call them my breakup lips because I broke up with a situationship <laughs> and then I got them. And I don't know. I just like doing it and I like how it looks and I'm not like... 
I don't feel the negative stigma from it. Like yeah. if someone's like, ew, you have filler. I'm like, ew, you have a face. Like get away from me. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So here's my thought on getting work done is I think that if you have a very specific thing that you are insecure about and one change will help that, then why not? Especially if it's like a non super invasive procedure. Yeah. But I do think that when someone is just like unhappy and they start getting things done, it's like kind of how I feel about tattoos, which is funny because she compares filler to tattoos later. I think that if you're like in a bad place and you're like, I don't know, I need to make a change. So I'm just going to like get something permanently done to my body. Like it is about the vibe when it happens. If you're like, this is cool and I want to get this done for me, then it's good. And if you're like, I'm going to do this because I don't know what else to do and you have no direction with it, then it will get bad. And one thing that happens a lot with filler is people who like are just hoping overall it changes their head. They don't know like where to go and where to stop. Yeah, I think that's the hard part because when I do get filler, the guy that uh, the plastic surgeon then does it, he told me that you get body dysmorphia. Right. So you often like forget what you look like before. And then all of a sudden you think you need more and more and more and more. Right. And he was like, that's why we take before and after pictures, because we want to show you that no matter what, like this is what you originally look like. So you don't get out of hand with it. Yeah. And I love that because I always ask for those to look at those pictures when I go in. Cause I'm like, I just want to make sure. Yes. No, that's so smart. And I feel like there are certain things where you're like, okay, you have to want it as like a little zhuzh, but also not think it'll like change your life. I think you have to be yeah. in a very specific headspace to get things done. And I don't think that everyone should like for me, one insecurity that I've always had is my nose, but I know yeah. it's a lightning rod of insecurity for me. And I think that if I ever got a nose job, then I would just hate something new. Yeah. So I don't think it would actually fix something to get my nose changed. Whereas like, I don't begrudge anyone for getting a nose job. I think for some people it's been really great, but I think for me, it would just be like a very expensive shift in blame no I think it's like really important to like wait like I think her issue too is like she got it really young like I think 2021 or something like that yeah and like I didn't get any filler until I was like 27 so it's like I think when you like start to know yourself and you like are like well I could do a little bit of Botox or I could do like the wrinkles under my eye bother me let me get some filler or something like that just to like make you a little happier a little more confident then that's totally fine just like wearing makeup does mm-hmm. you know what I mean Like, it's just a little bit to make you more comfortable. But, like, in here, she goes, maybe if I get lip fillers and cheek filler and then I'll take better pictures and I'll get more followers and I'll get more people that like me. That is a really horrifying sentence. It's so sad. It makes me really sad. Yeah, because it's like that's the goal in Molly Mae's life is to get more followers so that people like her. I'm just, like, so sad for her because I'm like, I think you're so, like, bubbly and I think you're really cute. But I think you've been, your mind has been warped because you've been famous on Instagram since you were like 12 years old. It's been this like misplaced positive feedback loop where she like wanted to be popular. So she like tried to get Instagram followers. Those Instagram followers did make more people in school and more boys like her. So she was like, okay, more followers means more good things in my life. More people will like me. But then she like only focuses on the followers. She doesn't focus on her interpersonal relationships. And it's like maybe people, it'll pique their interest in you, but it won't create relationships with people. Yeah. And I think she's so lost in that spiral. It breaks my heart also because this is like a perfect example of someone who grew up in a new generation of technology. And now that technology is going to keep going and keep advancing, like 
who knows like how bad this can spiral for some kids like yeah. she's 25 pregnant and like has millions of followers and it truly like it does not seem like she's like having a good life right and it's like that makes me so sad because they did an interview for like all these little kids and all these kids are saying that they want to be an influencer now instead of like these regular jobs that like I remember being like I wanted to be a pro tennis player I wanted to you know be a firefighter whatever it was and so it's like I think we're getting away from that and we're getting more into like this influencer shit that's like not really for everybody right and I think that you like get into this like loop of like people liking your post or following you means that they like you and they care about you but they don't they don't yeah so there's been so many deaths on Love Island because like they're wrapped in this like I need to be liked by everybody mindset instead of like being like do I like myself yeah do I like the people that I'm surrounding myself with yeah so she gets filler done for the first time in her lips and then she goes in to get the full package And then she completely loses sight of what her face looks like. She says that for a while, after she, like, kept getting more and more filler, she was still convinced that it would look good. And one day, after getting a fresh round of filler, she posted a video on her YouTube because she, like, had a deadline to get it. She's very obsessed with getting her videos out at a certain cadence. And she was still swollen from a fresh round of filler. And she looked... Insane. Bad. I literally... We were looking at the picture earlier, and I thought someone had, like, joked, like, facetuned it. You know how some people do that? Like, it was, like, so, like, her cheekbones were out, her jaw was out, and then it was in, and then it was out. It was, like, so warped and weird. She says, it took me a really long time to realize that my face didn't look better, that it actually looked worse than what I started with. My once sharp jawline was looking more like jowls, sort of hanging underneath. My lips felt lumpy, uneven, and unnatural. Over time, I got a bit more and then more, and now it just didn't look right. Eventually, I admitted to myself, this just doesn't look right. It just isn't me. And she calls her sister and is like, do you think my filler looks bad? And her sister was like, fucking yes, dude. (laughs) what (laughs) her sister being like oh my god I've been saying this for years (laughs) yeah so finally she gets it dissolved she says you know it was supposed to make me feel better but in the end I felt horrendous and it's like it wasn't supposed to make you never you didn't get it to make you feel better you got it to get you more followers and to be liked and to be liked which won't make you feel better she said she put up a video about getting her filler removed which she's like originally I wasn't even sure I wanted to talk about it but then I decided this is content too (laughs) yeah and also we would notice (laughs) that's how much filler you had in and it sounds like it was a really hard decision she was very emotionally attached to the filler I think as something that she thought would make people like her but what I also don't understand is like Tommy was seeing you every single day. How did he not notice? Does he look at you? <laughs> no. She's like, he, he only has eyes for me. Yeah. He's blind. And he doesn't he's look a blind at man. <laughs> So this is another one of her little sections where she ends up saying nothing. Because I do agree that the way she got filler was not healthy. And she's like, I guess no one should do it unless you want to, but don't. But if you want to, you can. But like, don't do it the way I did and don't do it at all. But if you want to, you can. Yeah. And it's like, Molly, say something. Make a statement about I made a mistake because I was insecure about the way I was coming across on social media. But the problem is she doesn't know. She doesn't have that self-awareness. Yeah. She doesn't know how to like be a person. She's just... This whole book is please like me. So now she embraces being natural. She feels good about using her natural face. She says her lips were the hardest thing to let go of, which I'm like, I don't then get lip filler. (laughs) Yeah, you could just have a little bit. I know someone that gets half a syringe on their lips and it's the smallest difference, but like she loves it, you know, do your research. But most of all, stop trying to be something you're not. Remember, the way you're born is completely perfect and individual. You don't need to try to look like anyone else because you're not that person. You are you. I don't think she understands anything she's saying. I think she went on Pinterest and copied pasted a lot of quotes. But you don't believe that. That's not what you think or do. 
your actions say otherwise. This next one, finding body confidence. I'll just tell you up front, we are going to cover a skin cancer scare, <laughs> dealing with weight fluctuation, endometriosis. And a mole she and, got removed. I mean, it's just like, though, that's not what body confidence is. Yeah. Because also, she doesn't have body confidence. I guess and like, we'll get into that. <laughs> she's, really, she's trying to be confident that her body doesn't have cancer. <laughs> So she writes about post-Love Island when she was just a lot busier traveling a ton and taking much less time to work out. She said she fell out of love with exercise. And then there was a photo of her snapped on a photo shoot where she looked like much heavier than the version of her that we got to know on Love Island. Yeah. And she's like, that photo, even other photos from that shoot looked good and they weren't even filtered. They just chose the worst photo of me. She tries to make this about like coming to terms with weight fluctuation and varying lifestyles. But instead she's like, but I did figure out how to lose the weight. So now I'm happy. But you, I could have been happy then, but I wasn't. You, you're trying to be confident and you're trying to like come across that you're confident in your body. But you like cried and freaked out and you were like threatening to like call the Daily Mail to take this photo she down. She did of call you. the Daily Mail. She called the customer service hotline and said, hello, this is Molly May. I'd like to talk to you about some photos you posted of me. Oh, my God. See, that's so sad. So then she like tries to talk about the fact that it doesn't actually matter at the end of the day. And it's like and she, she acknowledges, you know, if someone has the body type that she's upset about. It's like upsetting for them to see a photo saying like, look how bad Molly Mae looks. And this is, you know, someone else's every day. But I don't feel like she understands what she's saying or what she wants to say about it. She's like, I think the proper thing to say is everybody is beautiful. I think she was like, it's not cool that they called me fat, which I agree. It's not cool to get fat shamed or people posting pictures of your body that you're not comfortable with. I get that. But the problem is, is that you're not comfortable in your own body. Yes. And then you're preaching confidence to people. Right. And you're also sitting here as like a very thin and conventionally attractive white girl saying like, everyone's beautiful no matter what, when you're like the epitome of using white privilege to like do nothing for as much money as possible. <laughs> yeah. Finally, she's like, my trick to dealing with bad photos nowadays, I won't react to photos I don't like in the same way that I did to those ones from Barbados, but I'm not going to pretend they don't bother me at all. If I see a bad photo of myself straight away, I start to wonder what the other people might think when they see it. And I understand having like a reaction after being cyberbullied. Like she does, she is having mean things written about her. But of course, the reality is when you're standing up posing for an Instagram photo with your makeup on and your hair done and wearing a flattering outfit, you're not going to look the same as you would when you're caught completely off guard. So she looks through her like Instagram photos to be like, no, I am hot. I think the lesson is I am not my body. Yeah, my body weight fluctuation doesn't define me. I think Rihanna was the one that was really like, yeah, my body changes and I love it and I don't care what you guys think. Yeah. And that made me be like, yeah, same here. Because there's right. days I mean, where I look good, days where I don't. Then she has a skin cancer scare. She has a mole that's been on the back of her leg for a long time. Her mom called the producers when she was on Love Island and is like, the mole looks different. The mole's getting bigger. So then they started having the medic check it every day. And then for a while, every doctor told her it was fine. Then one day she gets it biopsied and they're like, this is not fine. So she's supposed to have a procedure to have the skin around it biopsied to see if the cancer has spread. But then they're like, yeah, you know what? We were actually wrong. It was never melanoma to begin with. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so now we have like a hundred pages about what it's like to be an influencer and how important it is to her to connect with her fans. And I'm just like, ooh, this is 
it was truly a hard read the most important thing to her is developing loyal follow like finding loyal followers and I'm just like start a cult man I don't know it's so crazy the way she like takes so much care in like analyzing what works and what doesn't work on social media but like won't develop a human relationship (laughs) yeah keep posting what's natural to you Sundays are the best days to post I'm just like what are you talking about it is so funny that she's like I like to be effortless with my posts she goes I love how effortless it feels to post whatever I want that day I love when a feed feels unplanned and easygoing this whole book taught me that you are not effortless with your posts. Well, she writes, I find that my followers interact better with me when I'm a bit free. So she's like, okay, act natural, act natural, act natural. This will perform better. <laughs> Which also feels like something a prisoner would say. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. She like explains how she does her photo shoots with the cool backgrounds that she finds. And how she's honest on her YouTube. She goes, nothing's a secret on my YouTube. People know they'll get the real raw version of me. People come to your YouTube when they're really invested in you and they care about you as a person. Because why else would you watch a 25-minute vlog of someone's holiday? If you're investing your time in watching a long video of someone's day, you're really only doing that because you want to see what they're up to and hear what they're talking about. Um, That's not true. No. Also, <laughs> that is so sad to me that she's like, these are the people that care about me. It, it really is sad that she's like, well, why else would you watch my YouTube videos? She loves a one way relationship where she I mean, that's how she treats her friendships and all like everything, yeah. too. She's like, I will talk at you. And if you need something from me, what are you talking about? You're just one of my loyal followers. Like, we don't know <laughs> yeah. each other. <laughs> yeah. And she's like, I have a million more that I can just contact. But it's like. I've hate watched so many things on YouTube, but I have things in the background. I don't care about you as a person. I'm just putting things on. Or even if I do, it's not in the same way that like a human that knows you would. <laughs> yeah. You have to really focus on what your audience is looking for and get rid of whatever they're bored by. She is so focused on being like, what do these people who consume me want? But like yeah. none of her energy goes to like humans. I know. She's not like, what did that friend that, I broke up with need from me that I wasn't providing. I bet the friend went through like a miscarriage or something. And then she was like, please, I need you. And Molly was like, um, no. <laughs> She's had controversies in the past that she doesn't address at all. She talks about taking business deals, working with brands and how even though people call her money may, she actually says no amount of money is worth ruining my relationship with my followers. If I don't believe in a brand, I won't work with them. Give me the list. Tell me who you've said no to. I know. I would love to see it. She says that she went from admiring brands to working with them and launching her own business. Filter by Molly May. I love when they do these chapters like pitching their products. I know. And I'm like, okay, I believe you. She talks about how in business meetings as like a CEO, she doesn't call herself a CEO, but (laughs) she's a CEO. She says, I feel that the people I work with are really respectful of me and my team. I'm very lucky that I've never experienced ageism in a way or sexism. I've never come out of a meeting and felt core. They really looked down on me. Do you think that's true? No. I mean, I believe that she's never felt that way. I believe that she doesn't have the same experiences as a lot of people in those rooms because she is a white, attractive woman. But I also think that she is so dumb that if someone was making fun of her to her face, she'd be like, thank you. <laughs> I don't She just rambles. I can't believe I, this, how many words this is. No, it, you can see it in her YouTube videos, too. She's just are such a rambler and she talks so fast and you're just like, I'm sorry. What are you saying? Like, what are you actually saying right now? She's really worried about wasting time. And that does make that is like a very 23 year old perspective. I feel yeah. like a lot of 23 year olds that I've spoken to will be like, I'm worried about choosing the wrong thing, taking the wrong job, like wasting time here. And it's like. 
babe, you can keep starting over until you're like 70. Yeah. Like you don't, you're not trapped in anything. It's so interesting. She like does the practicing self-care and she goes, if people were ever wondering who the Molly Mae is that nobody sees, the answer is that it is the Molly Mae that you do see because of my YouTube. I'm so honest on there and it's such an insight into how I live my life. And it's like, I don't know, dude, like... I guess I do believe that that is her, but she hasn't, like, even become herself yet. Yeah, I believe that that's you, but I believe that you are in, like, your first form. (laughs) Yeah, like, this may as well be miles to go. Like, there's nothing (laughs) in it. Yeah, it really does feel like a 17-year-old girl wrote this. She talks about how now sometimes she'll go on a trip and, like, leave her phone for a day. And Uh. I'm just like, you have experienced so much growth. (laughs) Yeah. She talks about mental health and she says she's actually extremely even keeled. She's like, mental health is really important and I'm very blessed that mine is fine. (laughs) (laughs) Like, okay. You're like, remember the filler? I don't think that's fine. (laughs) She talks about the break-in that she and Tommy had and then, and it, it just made her scared for a while, but now like, you know, experiences are more precious to her than things. It's crazy how like that, the break-in is a traumatic thing to happen to you. Yes. And it, it was like, two when you're pages safe. long <laughs> and that was it. And you talked about influencing for 400 pages. And the most traumatic thing, the most interesting thing was the last chapter of your book that was like, anyways, bouncing back. <laughs> and I mean, she ends the book by saying, I know how lucky I am to be able to share my story with you, especially as it's a story I'm still writing. In fact, this is only the first chapter. I can't wait to see what else there is to come. Why did you write a 282-page first chapter, Molly May? This is so... It was so long and repetitive. Um, I loved Molly May before this book, and now I just... I feel bad because I wanted to like her, you know? Same. And then after reading this, I was just like, oh, no, this sucks. I guess I, like, wonder why she did this because she's doing very well financially. My final thoughts on Molly Mae is that I hope you the baby changes you. <laughs> I really hope this baby comes into your life and your your brain chemistry is, like, you grow up a little bit. I hope she stops to enjoy the humans in her life. Yeah. I and I, having a human that is her responsibility helps her appreciate people. Anyway, where can people find you? You can follow me at Lils Michelle, L-I-L-S Michelle on Twitter, uh, TikTok and Instagram. And my podcast is called Sad Tits. I will link all of that stuff in the show notes. So go follow. And thank you guys for tuning in this week. We'll see you next week.